0: So I thought I would do a short one on the Homeschooling Handbook. It's a book that was written by Mary Griffith, and I think I have the revised second edition. I'll be honest, I bought this so many years ago. There could be who knows what edition there are now. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was with homeschooling, and you might hear the term unschooling, and there's Charlotte Mason, and there's just like so many different types of schooling out there. I mean, you kind of get... And again, I'll do that little disclaimer. It isn't about bashing public schools. It's about facts. So I can understand if somebody's listening to this, feels like I'm bashing it. But again, I had a child that went to public school and I understand that they have a one-size-fits-all curriculum for every kid. You know, you get your IEP plans and, you know, your... Or what is it? 501B. I can't remember. It's been so long. But, you know, if your kid needs, like, colored folders, that can be, like, a plan that they get more funding for and then they could try to tailor the education for your kid. But... You know, my kid had years where he was in a class of 15, and years when he was in a class of 30 students. So, individualizing care out of 30 kids, I just don't see it happening as well as you can do it at home. But again, Mm -hmm. there's so many theories on learning. You've got like Jean Piaget and cognitive development. I'm looking through the book to give you the highlights. You've got Rudolf Steiner and the Waldorf schools, which I do remember getting a little bit into. It kind of seemed really cool when I was reading up on it. The same with the same with uh, Montessori and, like, the prepared environment. Another one of my favorites is Charlotte Mason, Guiding Natural Curiosity. They do a lot of, like, um, living books that was mm-hmm. kind of – I love that my phone's going to be buzzing now because I didn't shut it off. But um, Charlotte Mason's one I could touch on more because I guess she was a 19th century educator – She advocated for informal learning during the child's early years. Um, You know, and I know that's in contrast to other systems that have this very regimented learning, you know, when you're young. Um, She actually recommended nature study to develop both observational skills and an appreciation for the beauty of God's creation. And she extended that approach to teaching history and geography through travel and study of the environment rather than like collections of data to master. She felt that children learn best when instruction takes into account their individual abilities and temperaments, but she emphasized the importance of developing good habits to govern one's temperament and laying a solid foundation of good moral values. Um, I definitely was into her for a little bit, especially because we did so much nature study, especially like when you think about science and we love to forage and hunt and fish, those kind of things that my dad was teaching the boys and, you know, you can just lay the fish right there on the table and start carving into it. And then you got anatomy. (laughs) So it's, but, um, we did the big house. What is it? Big house? No little house in the big woods. I always, we read that years ago and there's like Charlotte Mason kind of things. Like you can make, uh, like maple candy out of snow. I, it's just things that you can learn about as you read each chapter. And it's kind of a neat Charlotte Mason way of learning. Oh, Sorry, my phone. I am so not prepared today, so I just thought I'd pull this out to do a quick five-minute one or so. And so none of my things are being shut off, so you may be hearing, like, buzzing. Um, Holt and Unschooling. There's an educator, John Holt, which I really think everybody should read up on. I haven't even read that many on him. I'm still in the process of reading stuff on him. But we kind of lean more towards an Unschooling approach. All the years I've been doing this, we kind of have been leaning into that direction. Um, You know, I think he was like a Yale graduate, and he taught public schools for years, and he saw what the problems were with public schools. So I kind of love when people talk about how you shouldn't bash public schools, but here's somebody who was a teacher that absolutely is saying, I know, I work in it, I know what the problems are, and I'm curious if people would tell him... Oh, I know, I know his critics are like, why are you bashing something? But he worked in it, he saw the problems, kind of like, I'm a nurse, I know what the problems are in nursing. For someone to tell me I'm bashing it that has zero experience in that field, I find humorous, but boy, do you see it a lot. Um, His whole thing was more of a child-led learning. Children learn best, he said, when not being taught, but by, like, when they're part of the world, free to explore what interests them most, by having their questions answered as they ask them, and by being treated with respect rather than condescension. So, I guess... I definitely do that. My kids will ask some questions that I figure if they ask the question, they're old enough to know the answer, and I answer them accordingly. And I don't know, I have a 20-year-old who was very happy that I was very frank with my answers to him. So I definitely don't sugarcoat things. Um, there's like this uh, little brief paragraph on Gardner and multiple intelligences. It's a psychologist that argues that intelligence is not a single unitary property proposing the existence of multiple intelligences. Um, he identifies like eight types of intelligence, linguistic, musical, logical, mathematical, spatial, naturalist, bodily, kinesthetic, interpersonal, and interpersonal. And because each person has a different mix of all these intelligences, learning is best tailored to each individual's strengths rather than emphasizing linguistics or logical or mathematical approaches that are traditionally used in public schools. Like, I can tell you right now, Max is definitely a kinesthetic learner. Like, they, you know, that kid might grasp geometric concepts presented with hands-on manipulatives far more easily than they would if they're sitting at a desk learning them. So a teaching approach that recognizes a variety of learning styles might encourage many individuals now lost by conventional methods. And again, I always mention this as the positive to homeschooling is you get to tailor it for your child. You can read up on all these different people I mentioned and say, which one works for my kid? Or like many of us homeschoolers, we use, like, multiple approaches, you know, it's like, oh, for science, oh, he's definitely a kinesthetic learner. He's got to have hands on to understand, you know, that we're studying something in physics and he's building ramps to understand it. Whereas maybe in grammar, sitting down on the couch and doing Mad Libs is the best way that he's understanding grammar. It's just there's different approaches and you get that freedom. So again, people get upset when I mention all the freedom we have with homeschool I don't know too many, I mean, yeah, I guess I do remember public school, sometimes we'd stand up and do things and move around the classroom, but let's be honest, people, if you're in public school, 90 plus percent of the time, you're sitting at desks reading books or having somebody teach you what you had to learn to take your tests. It wasn't too often that we were getting to move around freely around the room. I had hell, I had to ask to go to the bathroom, so I know that we weren't allowed to freely move around the room. And the fact that we do this all day long, every day, is just such a benefit to my children anyways. But again, you might have the kids that just, this is the way they learn is sitting at a desk and public school would be the best thing for them. So this book kind of teaches all the different things. The way that you can, you know, is a school at home? Here's the advantages. Here's the disadvantages. Unit study. Here's the advantages. Here's the disadvantages. Eclectic homeschooling, which honestly is kind of where we're at. And the advantages are you can tailor to the interests and needs of the kid. And you can make sure you have all the material you need that they know for each thing. And the drawbacks are kids sometimes resent the mandatory portion of their curriculum. Of course they're going to, you know, like, I feel like you need to know how to spell and you need to know proper grammar. And, you know, they're definitely going to maybe revolt if that's not their thing. And it just depends on which eclectic kind of approach you use. Um, They go on with unschooling and the drawbacks and advantages on that. So it's really a cool book to kind of go over all the different types of schooling methods. Um, This even goes over like legal stuff, like can you do this? And I will tell you right now, look up your state. Every state has something different for homeschooling. In Ohio, we're a notify state, not a permission state. I just have to notify that we're doing this. This is my legal right in this state. They can't tell me no, basically. Other states don't even have to notify, which that, everybody has their own opinions. I would be a little like, oh, okay, nobody knows. Nobody knows somebody's having kids in, I don't know what state, don't quote me, but like, let's say Utah, you just keep your kid home. Nobody would ever know. You could have 10 kids at home homeschooling, nobody would know. So I kind of think that Ohio's in the middle ground. There are other states, which again, don't quote me, but I thought like California or New York, like you have to have your bachelor's and it's either education or just a bachelor degree, I don't remember in order to, like, teach your kids, and there's all these different testing that you'd have to go through. So some states are super, like, rigid with their rules on homeschooling. Some states have, like, almost no rules, and then there are states in the middle. Ohio's a state in the middle, and I feel comfortable with what I have to do. But again, look up your laws, and homeschool legal defense is, like, a great fucking start. You can pay money to them, and they will represent you, because in Ohio there are some districts where people step out of line, It always makes me laugh because, like, you want to send your kid to these public schools where they don't don't even have the grasp of government and law, and they're trying to hit you back with, well, you didn't have this. It's like, honey, read the law. I don't have to have this. This is what I sent you. Send me what I need. And they still don't send the excusal from compulsory attendance. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to send my kid to the institution that can't even grasp the simple concept. Like, you know, it makes you kind of very happy that you're keeping your kid home. But anyways, I'd go off on a tangent. It goes on to like how you can do record keeping. This book goes over like money and practical matters because everybody's like, everybody wants to buy the best curriculum and spend hundreds of dollars. I'm going to like tell you, just from my experience, don't do that. Like, see what you can get through the library first. Libraries are your best friends. People that are broke and don't have much money. You can get anything you want through the library. They will order it, they'll get it. You can have it out for a while, see if you like it, if it works for your kid, and then maybe spend the money. So that's just my little two cents on your local libraries. I mean, I have a library card for every library in the area, like all over different cities, because we go so often when there wasn't a whole COVID pandemic. Um, other than that, they talk about evaluation. They talk about your learning resources, coping with rough spots, the special circumstances. There are so many people out there that have kids with different disabilities um, that uh, across the spectrum. If you think about it or think, you know, somebody, I mean, there's somebody that homeschools with that issue. I promise you, um, you know, the homeschool community in general, and then beyond homeschooling, like when they want to go off to college and it kind of talks about how you, you are the one that has to do their transcripts and something funny. Cause I have a homeschool graduate. You only need like X amount of credits to graduate. And I thought the, te- the I thought my assessor who's got her like master's in education, it was like 20 some that you need to graduate. And, you know, you have to have, like, your government credit. You have to have this credit to graduate. And, like, homeschoolers, because there are so many things that they're not only learning the basics, but they have all this time that they enjoy doing other curricular, extracurricular activities. She It wasn't uncommon. Like, Miles had 40-some credits. Like, we were going over his transcript and all the years and the things that he was doing. He had, like, well over double the credits he would need to graduate, which is why a lot of homeschoolers usually can graduate early, like, at 16. So, just a little interesting tidbit there for you. But that's kind of it today. The Homeschooling Handbook by Mary Griffith. If you want to take a look at it, it kind of just, you know, it's a parent's guide to making the decision, discovering your child's learning style, getting started, getting an effective study program down, and just so much more. So just something to think about.